I started playing soccer when I was around nine years old with my dad. He started the first soccer league in our small little town of Middlefield, Connecticut. I remember the first day of soccer like it was yesterday. My dad invited this guy down to the field to run our first practice. It might not sound exciting, but at the time, to find a person who played soccer was tough. This guy showed up in his tight, bright satin soccer shorts with the biggest thighs I had ever seen. He was every bit as good as Messi, Ronaldo, or Pele, as far as I was concerned. His name was Bud, and I listened to every instruction Bud had to give about trapping and kicking the soccer ball. In reality, Bud was just a guy who was dating my mom's friend. But I didn't know that. I was only nine years old. He played in some beer league three towns over. But to me, Bud and my dad were the greatest soccer instructors ever. I was hooked. From that point on, there was nothing better than going to the soccer field to play soccer. The tiny soccer league grew quickly, so we needed to find a new place to play. The town agreed to let my dad construct soccer goals on the local baseball field to accommodate the growth. Secretly, some of the baseball, American football, and basketball people in town were skeptical and slightly resistant. This new sport called soccer might be taking over some field space and possibly attracting some of their players. I later found out from my dad he had received numerous handwritten letters calling him and the sport communist. They even cut out articles and sent them to our house outlining soccer's communist past. That didn't stop the soccer movement from happening in our town, though. It was full speed ahead for Middlefield Youth Soccer and time to build some goals for our new field. My dad and a few local volunteer coaches were off to the local hardware store to buy lumber, screws, braces, concrete, and whatever else held those first goals together. I remember the holes being filled with concrete as the goals were erected like glorious statues. The entire goal was wood. When a ball hit the crossbar, it shook, bent, waved, and made some weird sounds like dolphins do. We all knew this was our field, and it was a real soccer field with goals. The town of Middlefield, at the time, was an agricultural town with some local mom-and-pop businesses. It was a great place to grow up, but a bit sheltered and lacking of diversity. Growing up in a small town, you don't really understand what outside competition is. If you are the best player in a small town, you figure you are the best everywhere. That would all change one day when my dad decided to take our U10 team to play against the Wallingford Travel Team. What the heck is a travel team, I asked myself. We got to the Wallingford team's field, and it was enormous. They had full uniforms and were doing a warm-up that looked like a Broadway musical. It was beautiful. Our team had some old t-shirts, and some players even wore cut-off jean shorts. For the record, cut-off jean shorts were cool back then, but maybe not on the soccer field. Watching the warm-up, we were slowly getting the idea maybe these kids were a little better than us. The tension and anticipation mounted by the second. Could we beat this fancy-looking travel team from far away? Literally a 20-minute ride. The whistle blew, 
and the goals started flowing. Flowing one direction only. Flowing like a fire hose at full blast, fighting a raging fire. The punishment had begun.